Hey everyone, welcome to episode 57 of Ripstop on the Record. I'm Carter. And I'm Jameson. We're coming straight to you from the Content Cottage here in Durham. This is a podcast for makers, by makers, talking about making things. So, pretty excited. Today we're talking with a hammock camping legend, Derek Hansen. Derek is a digital marketing manager for uh, WL Gore & Associates. He's an avid outdoorsman and the author and illustrator of multiple books. Hansen was a pretty influential member of the huge... Uh, online form hammock forms. Many of you will recall those good old days, but he became famous because he was illustrating uh, and helping people have a better hang through his marketing skills, through illustrations and pictures, uh, which is where it eventually led him to publishing the books that we mentioned. In this episode, we're going to dig deep into hammock camping, a philosophy that if you've ever listened to the podcast, you know, I care deeply about. Case in point, I am now a disciple of yours through all the hammock hangs that we've we've done together. But uh, yeah, this episode is, is super fun. Hammock camping can be kind of contentious for people. There's a lot of details. There's a lot of things that you have to know or else you can have a really bad experience, which we will talk about later in the episode. Derek's just going to help you have a better hammock, hammock hanging, hammocking experience. You nailed it. Just so you guys know, we just want to point out uh, there is a little bit of recording snafu that occurs early on in the episode. After that, everything uh, goes great. But if you notice something weird happening with the audio or the video, we know it's there. So please don't point it out or we will cry. This is an opposite, uh, an awesome episode. Nonetheless, I'm really struggling here today, Carter. Luckily, I'm better on the episode. Um, but yeah, just something to be aware of. As always, like, comment, subscribe, rate. Let us know how much we mean to you and how much the episode means to you so other people can also find these sweet listens. And we hope you enjoy. You're about to hear me talk a lot because I like hammocks. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Derek, we're going to jump straight in to the hard-hitting question. What was the first thing that you ever made? Oh, my gosh. Well, this is going to be embarrassing because I... I, you're going to kind of see some of the, some geeky stuff that I've done, but is it okay? I'm going to share my screen and kind of show you some of the, yes, let's do it. The, the hard earned lessons of do it yourself. Um, and I, I want to share this with, with the caveat of, you know, maybe like a lot of folks, are you guys seeing my screen now? Yeah, we can see it. Oh my gosh. Okay. So probably like a lot of you, my do it yourself journey started because I was poor. Let's just be honest. I couldn't afford all the cool gadgets. I'm like, I got to make stuff. So some of the first stuff that I started, so this is me and my kids and we're on my front porch. And so I, I would totally geek out on some of the stuff. So you can see some of the first things I've ever made were, were like, do it yourself, like cat food can stoves or, or Pepsi stoves. Do you remember those alcohol stoves? Like it oh, yeah. was all the rage early oh, yeah. 2000s. And I made tons of them. And, and I would, I would have so much fun making them. And then I would have my kids, we'd go outside and I would make like, in this case, I'm making breakfast oatmeal and chocolate <laughs> or hot chocolate for them thinking it was the coolest thing ever. So that's probably one of the first things I ever made. But now, now I'm going to show you some, some even crazier stuff. Are you ready? I'm so ready. Also, so, I've made like 7,000 wow. caffeine <laughs> stoves. So they, I'm right there with they're you. They're so fun. Well, my journey to um, do-it-yourself gear was partly inspired by, you know, I was I was going lightweight. My my backpacking journey was sending me to, I wanted to get lighter and lighter. And I, I don't know about you guys, but my, um, my camping was really... Um, motivated or inspired by my boy scouting experience. So I had like this huge, like external frame backpack, a Coleman 
sleeping bag and like just with three items, I think it was at 25 pounds. And <sighs> then I would add all my other gear and I'm like lugging this 50 pound backpack and it was horrible. So I, I definitely was excited about lightening my weight. So you can see here, this is one of the first things I made was a Tyvek tarp. I thought you and were I don't know how kids as some of the first. Things yeah. Made, yeah. They're, they're do it yourself <laughs> as well. But yeah, no, I brought my kids along with, with my journeys and I don't know, I think they're, they're sick of it now, but back then they got so excited, like dad, well, let's make, let's, you know, make a cool tarp. And so this was like one of the first ones was, was this Tyvek tarp and it, it was serviceable. Like it was pretty easy to make, right? No, not a lot of, not a lot of sewing, but uh, if you've ever been in a Tyvek tarp, they're really loud when it rains and they don't pack very easily. So one of the next projects I worked on was my first tarp. So there it is in all of its glory. And I, I loved this thing. It was so fun to make, probably a little bit more ambitious than most do-it-yourself projects, or, you know, because you, you have to think about the ridge line and, and learning different folds and cuts of gear. And, and that was tricky, but it was a ton of fun. Now, back then, you know, my journey was all about not only lightening my, my load, but trying to get uh, more comfortable at the same time. And this is where my, my hammock journey kind of begins as well, because um, I don't know if you can see there in the middle of my setup, I've got my, there's a hammock right there and my, uh, my pad, I wanted everything to be multi-use as well. So I wanted to make sure that if I was sleeping in a hammock, I had insulation, but I could use that same insulation on the ground. I could use that same tarp on the ground. And I know for people that know me and know that I'm a big hammock enthusiast, they may be surprised to learn that I was not a big hammock enthusiast at the, at the start. All of my do-it-yourself projects and gear was all centered around just getting lighter and faster. And it wasn't until I started using hammocks more often that I'm like, oh my gosh, why would I ever sleep on the ground again? So here's another project I made. You can see the the bug net. Oh my gosh, this, this looks scary when I think about it. Like not all do-it-yourself projects turn out like the pictures that you guys show on your website, right? They're, they're messy. Sometimes they're, I'm, I wasn't the best sewer at the time or tailor or whatever you need to call it. But it was fun. It was like to, to get to know how to make a, a good flat failed seam or hemming, uh, doing a rolled hem. Like all of those little projects were great learning experiences that built on each other. So I made, made a, a winter tarp for hammocks. I know this looks so sloppy. I, it's embarrassing even to, to show this. But at the time, like I couldn't afford a $200, you know, hammock winter tarp. And honestly, back then, I don't think that they were being made actually you had to do it yourself these are these are projects that didn't even exist back then when i first started hammock camping so do it yourself was also predicated by well it doesn't exist in the market so let's make it this is a project i did where man i i look at this and i feel like i'm an old man now but this is when i was young and virile right but this is a um a bug net a tube bug net that i made to go over a very simple hammock so that was a fun project here are some wristies. I don't know if you guys have ever made wristies, but they, again, they were all the rage, probably 2007, 2008. Everybody had to make wristies. They're just these kind of half glove, half arm warmers. Super easy to make, but um, we're so, I loved them. I still love them. They're, they're great uh, multi-use function tool. Oh, oh my gosh. This looks a little funny, but I'm, I made this, um, this winter hood again in hammock camping. Uh, 
sleeping bags became, especially mummy bags, were so constricting that you wanted to have that the uh, the hood separate from the the uh, sleeping bag. So this this um, hood that I made was so hot that I ended up getting rid of it because it was it was too good, right? It was awesome. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, but it, uh, it was a fun project, a little, a little more technical because I had, this is again, I, I know I've got some listeners on the phone that would probably remember Insultex. Uh, it was a yep. fabric that was supposed to be this amazing insulator and everybody was, was making everything out of it. So I had like two layers of Insultex in here and it was so hot. I could not stand it. So anyway, that was a lot of fun. And, uh, this one, so this is my wife. She is wearing probably one of my favorite do-it-yourself projects. I made this Anorak uh, rain jacket. So probably the most ambitious do-it-yourself project that I've done with just a lot of different kinds of patterns and, and sewing techniques. But it was a, a ton of fun. And she stole it because it was such a good rain jacket. I've had to make like two or three others. But anyway, I've I've really enjoyed doing my um, do-it-yourself projects over the years. It's been a lot of fun. And honestly, in the last decade, I'm trying to remember how long Ripstop by the Roll has been out, but has been the inspiration for a lot of projects because uh, you guys were like the one-stop shop to find all of it, not just the fabric, but all the trinkets, you know, all the little doodads. I remember having to source those out earlier on by just all these other websites, you know, trying to find uh, a D-ring here or elastic ribbon there. So thanks you guys for the hard work that you make make it so much easier today to do it yourself. Absolutely. No, I mean, and that's pretty much my main job now. So uh, I definitely appreciate it. Like we're still, I still feel like we have so far to go. Like I I look at the component shelf and I'm like, man, we're missing like 36 different types of buckles that we should have. (laughs) And like, but I I definitely feel, uh, I'm sure the whole team feels appreciated to hear that people can, you know, go on our website and find, uh, close to a one-stop shop. One day, I think in 500 years, it will literally be <laughs> a one-stop shop. But yeah, it's it's there. tricky, right, to have to have everything, but yet be reasonable, right? Because I I know there's a lot, so many doodads out there that probably don't get yes. sold very often. Well, and then there are ones that like maybe I or uh, Jameson or Isaac or whoever might want to bring on board. But in reality, it's like, yeah, but you really just want that for the one prod, that one fanny pack that you are building. You know, you have, you have to bring on something that makes sense, like in onboarding cost. And uh, if somebody else doesn't even have like the machine that you need to put it on there, then maybe we just stick with different colors of a buckle that's popular or whatever, you know. Right. Yeah, it's fun. Do-it-yourself projects, I mean, for, for my journey is really what, I mean, if, if, you've, if you've seen my book, the very last chapter is completely dedicated to do-it-yourself projects because it was really the inspiration so much of what I did to become somewhat competent in hammock camping. Um, it really began with creating all these things on my own and um, is, I hope, inspiring people because I... It's one thing that I think separates hammock camping from a lot of other types of camping is there's so much modularity, so much fiddling with that it, it lends itself really easily for people to, you know what, I don't, this doesn't exist. Like no one thought of this. Let's try making something. And it's, it's inspired a lot of innovation in camping um, that I think is exciting. So check it out. It's just, if you haven't done it, it's fun to, it's fun to try it. 
Yeah, I mean, I think the other cool thing about hammocks is that they're also accessible to anyone who wants to go camping, right? Like, no one's out. I mean, there are people. Like, we have awesome customers and some are, like, awesome B2B customers and some B2C customers that make tents. But usually that's something that comes with complex, like, CAD software design and things to, like, make an actual working tent that would even be better than something that you would get from Walmart, like, in reality. But hammocks... You can have super high-tech fabrics. We have, you know, custom fabrics for hammocks that have different feels and stretches and all kinds of stuff. And you just need to sew a rectangle. And exactly. I think that's, that's a really cool <laughs> thing about hammock camping is that it's, I just think it's so much more accessible for, for anyone. It's true. And I, it's funny because I, when people often will ask me like, so do you sell hammocks? Do you make hammocks? And, and talking about like, is it really hard to do? I'm like, man, hammocks, I don't want to like bust anybody's bridge or anything but man they are the simplest thing people are making bank off of hammocks because they are so easy to make but anyway it's another topic so what sort of diy projects are you currently working on so i um well actually today i'm sitting in one of them i I just recently made i don't know if you guys can see this on the video Mm -hmm. this is uh one of those ponchos from um dry ducks and it's one of the easiest do-it-yourself projects, but I recently made one of those. It's a, I've got the instructions in my book uh, for an under cover, like an underquilt cover or like like a winter cover. They make great multi-use items, so that's one that I've done just recently. And I'm I'm working on. I've kind of got some ideas about uh, a multi-use gear hammock. Uh, again, I've. I just keep toying with these ideas, but one of these <laughs> days I'll actually build it. I just got to get down and. Go to to your website and buy some fabric. Yeah, absolutely. I think, uh, so have you, first off, I can definitely help you out with that. Send me an email. <laughs> uh, you know, we're friends now. Um, <laughs> one thing I was curious about is I know in your slideshow, you showed like uh, the anorak and some other like apparel items. Is that something that you have done a lot of? Or like, I know for me, apparel has always been the scariest thing because it's, it seems harder and like I didn't have a serger. So I was like, I'm not really sure how to do this. But one thing that we're wanting to do a lot more of is start introducing pre-cut uh, apparel patterns, um, hmm. like a fleet, a polar tech fleece beanie or a jacket or things like that. So I was just curious if you've made anything like that. Uh, and if you have a serger, uh, just what are your <laughs> thoughts on apparel type type stuff? You know, it, I'm glad you asked because actually a lot of the gear that I made was apparel items. Again, if you go to my book, again, that very last chapter, a lot of the gear, I mean, I talk about making all kinds of hammocks, which is expected for a hammock book. But I also talk a lot about some secondary, what I consider, you know, ancillary to hammocks, but it's all clothing items, right? So like the wristies that I talked about, or um, I I talk a lot about headgear. And so I've made a lot of those. The anorak, I said, is probably the most ambitious, but honestly, it's not that complicated for for the most, for the most part, garments, uh, as long as you know a few simple uh, stitches and, tie, and why, why would you use this in, in one instance over another, it's not that difficult. And the anorak, I picked it partly because it was a pretty simple pattern, but you can uh, go to, a, you know, like a Joanne's Fabrics or someplace to get the, the patterns. And that's what's really nice is just having a pattern. They, they already have them kind of sized. You can, and then you cut the pattern out for the size that you're looking for. And for something like, like a rain jacket that did, doesn't have a liner or any kind of complex 
because you know with with some fabrics especially with garments you'll have like right and wrong sides of fabrics for a lot of the outdoor stuff we often don't I don't even know if people realize that that is the case. There's like calendared sides versus non-calendared, et cetera. So there are some technicalities, but honestly, it wasn't that difficult of a project. And an anorak itself is pretty simple. The hardest thing was really just the zipper. But if you've done a zipper, like, I mean, I've I've created um, zippered hammocks and they can seem complicated, but really you're just running a single stitch on one side and then the other side and then you zip it up. So it's it's actually not that complicated. As far as a serger, no, I <laughs> you may laugh my my preferred sewing machine of choice. It's not even really a choice. I just went to Walmart it's and I bought choice. like the cheapest just a, you know, just a kid to start off with, but that's what I I've made all of my projects with that really simple sewing machine. 90% of all my stitches are probably just a straight, you know, stitch and bar tacks are, you know, zigzag type stitching. There are some other complex stitching, but that sewing machine will do all of it, right? You don't need a serger for, for most of those kinds of projects, really. Definitely. I mean, and uh, we, we just filmed a, a how-to video for a fleece beanie pre-cut, like laser cut kit that we're about to come out with. Oh, wow. And uh, so one of the, one of the points of contention was whether or not we do the video on the home machine or the serger, right? Because as we get into these more complex type of like fleece garments, we're going to want people to use a serger, right? We're, we're talking about an intermediate level kit. Most of our kits right now are extremely beginner, right? They're really cool, but anybody can make them. And that's the point. But we want to start cultivating where that once that beginner has now become an intermediate sewer, we want to give them something that's still challenging for them. Um, so yeah, it's interesting that you say that you've done everything on the, on the home machine. Uh, <laughs> I was torn between the two for sure. Uh, cause once you use the serger, it's just so hard to go back. Well, it's real hard to go back. I, I would agree with you to, to a point, right? Like I, I like the idea of the more advanced projects, certainly in my own experience, you know, I started off with just basic stuff and then as you, you know, your skills improve and your, your stitching is more straight than it is curvy. Right. Like, you know, I think I'll do something more ambitious. Yes, a serger could probably simplify things. And, and you're, at, you're absolutely right. Like, it's like anything. You, you use a pro-level tool and you're like, I have been living under a rock, right? Like, what am I doing? Yeah. Uh, but I, I think where I challenge, of course, anybody is, while it is a great tool, I don't think it would be completely necessary to do that, especially for people that are going from like, you know, I've, I've done as much as I can on my, my Walmart sewing machine can I use it to, to do something more ambitious? Yeah. I mean, it may not be as easy, but certainly you can do it. And like I said, with like the Anorak or the beanie and stuff, I could, like, I, I've got this one right here, right? This is my, one of my beanies. I'm not going to show this off as like, <laughs> this is the best ever, but, uh, it didn't require a serger. I wouldn't, I wouldn't need it. Uh, it would just make yeah. some things a little easier. Definitely. So I want to start to tie in, uh, why we're here, which is definitely to share some of the MYOG Stoke and, and let people know about all the stuff that you've made and, and that experience, but also to really hype up hammock camping. Um, a story that a lot of people don't know if they're newer to Ripstop by the Roll is that we were founded because Kyle and his brother started a hammock company. We weren't, we didn't, you know, we didn't start out selling fabrics. We started making hammocks. So it's very much a part of who we are, very much a part of who Carter is and the hammock form side and everything like that. So I want to ask you, one thing we want to do is share the love of hammock camping and, and it can be scary to people because it is, 
it's a fairly dynamic setup experience compared to, you know, everyone's set up a tent through Boy Scouts or with their parents or whatever. Tents are pretty simple. Hammocks are not. So what are some surprise benefits that people may not have thought about when sleeping in a hammock? So I'm glad you said that. I, I love the, uh, the roots that you guys have in hammocks. Cause of course I'm, I'm a big fan of hammocks and I think people would be surprised to find that. I mean, you'll definitely hear that comfort is probably the number one reason people switch to hammocks, but part of that comfort and one of the surprising reasons I would say to, to think about a hammock is especially for people that, that do traditional hiking and backpacking, even if you don't even sleep in a hammock, one of the surprising benefits actually is uh, edema relief. So edema is, uh, is where like when you're hiking or doing outside activities, you'll often, uh, the fluid of your body will start to go to your extremities. Like have you ever had swollen wrists, fingers, toes, ankles when you've been hiking? Oh yeah. So that's edema. And, and it's, there's nothing wrong with that. That's a natural, uh, what happens as you, as you exercise and your, your blood vessels expand, you're getting a lot of that heat out. A lot of that moisture starts to go to your extremities, especially when you're walking and hiking. It's, um, it's almost that, uh, the, the force of your body's movement is going to push some of that fluid down. So you may have even heard like a lot of hikers will say, Hey, when you get back to base camp, you're done hiking, elevate your feet a little bit to help draw that, that fluid back into your body and, and get some comfort, especially around your feet and ankles. That's something that hammocks do automatically. It's something that I've, I kind of figured out later as I'm like, Oh my gosh, this is so great. Like, cause when you sleep in a hammock, you do sleep. When I say flat, I really I'm put that in air quotes because uh, the hammock like that I'm in today, it is hung with a sag. And a lot of people consider that uncomfortable. Like I'm going to sleep with a, like a banana. Like, no, no, you, <laughs> you lay diagonally across the bias of the fabric and you will actually feel flat because your legs will drop, your head will drop, but it's more of an ergonomic flat. Your feet will be raised a little bit higher, but that actually provides that amazing edema relief automatically. So as you're sleeping, you don't have to like do anything weird to prop anything up. It's actually pretty cool. Um, so anyway, that's one thing that I love about, about hammocks is that natural kind of stress relief and from your body. I'm not talking about stress, like I'm stressed out, but just the stress of hiking and other things. Um, the second thing that I think is surprising to some people that I really want to hit on is leave no trace. So hammocks, one thing that I've loved about them, I'm a, I'm a big Leave No Trace advocate. I've been a, a Leave No Trace trainer. But as opposed to like tent camping, I mean, anyone that slept on the ground has found a root or a rock in their back, or they've spent 30 minutes trying to like clear the ground. One of the principles of Leave No Trace is, well, if you do that, you've got to then put everything back the way you found it, which I don't think happens all that often. And that's why we have a lot of impacted campsites. So one of the surprising benefits that I love about hammock camping is you don't have that need anymore. You can actually find a location that you don't have to worry about. I'm not going to disturb the ground underneath me. I don't need to clear it of debris and I can hang almost anywhere within safety precautions, right? Now I'm not recommending that people go out and sleep over a cliff face or over a cactus <laughs> or something, but I've been on some amazing trips. One of them, when I went to uh, the Kalalau Trail in Kauai, and went backpacking along the coast. It was awesome. But we we slept over um, lava fields, like old, you know, broken lava fields that, you know, no no tent could uh, sleep there, of course. 
but we were totally cozy and out of range. And what was, what's really funny about that story is we, there were camp. The reason why we picked that site was the only other place that you could camp would have been on the beach, right? Where, where at least this particular spot we had picked. And we only had one other backpacker that w- and a couple that was camping that night and they chose to sleep out on the beach. And I told my wife who I was with, I'm like, that's not going to work out in the morning. And sure enough, in the middle of the night, when the tide had come in, <laughs> they were, we heard these screams and, and sure enough, in the morning, when we woke up refreshed and rested, we saw their tent crumpled up in the rocks and they had somehow, you know, found another place to camp in the night. Uh, but we, you know, had none of that problem because we were above the tide and we were above the, uh, the belt there. So it was a lot of fun, but anyway, that's that leave no trace component is a great one that I love. These are, these are so good because I mean, I think everyone that's gone camping or heard of hammock camping has been like, you know, they've heard the, it's comfortable. You're not on the ground. Uh, like they've heard some of those standard ones. That's exactly what I wanted. And why I wanted to pick your brain specifically about this is to get some of these kind of additional benefits that you don't, I mean, I'm by no means an experienced hammock camper. I've hammock camped maybe four or five times. It was really awesome. I have my own setup, but like I hadn't heard those, those particular reasons before. And that's, that's why I really like that answer. Awesome. I like having someone that also knows about hammocks like I do. So then I have two people <laughs> that I can convince everyone to switch over to. Because when I just say these things, my friends are like, okay, yeah, just dude, you. Yeah. can you just go away, please? And we're trying to like have dinner. Yeah. Uh, well, but now we have an, an actual expert that can confirm. <laughs> and I like that. Scientific rule. Well, you could, you could probably edit this next portion out, but I'll tell you. One of the other surprising things that I love about hammocks, but it's it's difficult for me to say in a in a way that doesn't have a lot of caveats, and that is, there's people that have had a lot of back problems, and they're you know medicated, clinical back problems, who have converted 100% to hammocks and have miraculously resolved their back problems, and they can sleep throughout the night without pain. And I attribute that to that ergonomics, right? That the the pressure points are yeah. taken away from you. They can sleep in a relaxed position instead of, you know, on a bed where they may be tossing and turning and, and putting strain on their back in ways that they weren't intending. So that to me is maybe the a, a little bonus one that a lot of people don't know about. I, I would never prescribe a hammock to somebody that had back <laughs> problems. Uh, I'm not a doctor. So if you do include this in your edit, uh, I would just say, you know, consult with people and, and consult with your, your trusted physician about that. But it's something that I've actually seen personally, people that have received medical benefit from sleeping in a hammock. My wife is a medical provider and I think I might give her that information. I'm like, maybe I can, I don't know. It's probably, yeah, I'm pretty sure it's illegal, but I could steal her pad and maybe just start writing out people <laughs> prescriptions for hammocks. Like, oh, yeah, don't put my name on that. Leg? Yeah. <laughs> you broke your leg? Okay. Um, so that'll be uh, a, netless hammock kit. That'll be the netless the hammock kit. Um, <laughs> Two hammocks twice daily. Yeah, we will. Uh, we'll have a follow up in six to eight weeks. That's awesome. But no, I, I do think that's a point. That's a great point, and I've had that experience as well. Um, often at hammock hangs and things that I've gone to, uh, there are uh, people of all ages and like uh, physicality and things like that that. I haven't really found anywhere else because I think that that those benefits that you're describing allow people to get out in the woods in ways that they probably would have stopped doing if they, if it weren't for hammocks, whether even something as simple as being able to 
have a place to sit instead of like trying to get on the ground and crawl into a tent there or get out have... of a stupid camp chair when you're <laughs> right. four inches off the ground anyway <laughs> yeah so for some people hammocks also give them an opportunity to still be able to enjoy the outdoors which i also really appreciate about it Agreed. Uh, it's much less physically limiting yeah uh, now uh of course the hammocks aren't as simple as tents so there there is a learning curve but for me that's the fun part right is I've owned every single owned or made every single hammock suspension system that exists or has existed. I have <laughs> that is not hyperbolic. I have to his house. <laughs> probably thousands of dollars. Ashley, my wife, please don't listen to this part, but you already know um, <laughs> thousands of dollars worth of hammocks, uh, hammock suspensions. And I still like bought something the other day that came out for that had to do with like something for truck tie downs that I thought might be cool for suspending something so it never ends and i i I really like that part about it too i think you mentioned earlier like hammocks kind of feed the diy energy in a way that other stuff doesn't it's true it's a lot of fun yeah i i uh there was a time probably about five years ago i i have collected nearly every hammock that has ever existed even some old you know world war ii navy hammocks and i Uh, thought maybe i should create like a a museum of hammocks and i thought no one's going to go to that except for maybe the hammock forum elite, but I've since got rid of a lot that. of those. <laughs> well, what's funny too, is that you said that and I was like, no, you don't. I better have three. You've never seen before. You want to trade? You want to trade? I got some customs. You know, well, you yeah, not, in, not including all the custom work people do for sure. <laughs> I have them in uh, glass cases all around my house. Right? It's great for decoration. Exactly. Mid-century hammock modern is what I call it. <laughs> All right, so I want to start jumping into some of these hammock camping details, some of the finer pieces that you talk about in your book, but uh, there are a lot of people out here that probably don't know how hammocks can go up, other than just like an Eno would with some slap straps and things like that. So let's go with some of the basics for these people. When would you want to use, let's say, a bridge hammock, but actually maybe we should back up and just start with a normal hammock. What's Well, maybe we can start by saying... What is the difference between a gathered end regular hammock and a bridge hammock? Oh man. So the, the very basics. Well, um, your typical gathered in hammock is literally just a rectangular piece of fabric that is gathered at the ends and is intended to be hung with it with a good sag, right? Like a smiley face. Most people, I think when they think of hammocks, so this has been the reaction that I get often are, have actually been introduced to gathered in hammocks, but in, in a way that was non-traditional in a sense, but the, the spreader bar hammocks, right? The, the ones that you see in all the resorts and uh, on the beaches that just look amazing, right? There's always a hot, beautiful body laying on it. And then when you try it, not only are you not beautiful, but you're hot and uncomfortable, right? You've got this thing that you just flip out of, right? Those, those hammocks. So I, I want to be very careful in distinguishing what a spreader bar hammock versus an, uh, you know, your typical gathered in hammock. But then there's these hybrid ones like these spreader bar hammocks because spreader bar hammocks are based on these traditional. So, so here's the trivia that I have in my book that you guys probably know, right? Um, where, where did hammocks come from? Well, they came from South America. In fact, Christopher Columbus, when he came to the Americas searching for either a new route to, uh, to India, uh, discovered this new world. He was hoping for the riches, but really, you know, the one thing that he brought back was the hammock. Um, 
at that time, sleeping aboard ship was all in berths, right? Little boxes. And it wasn't until Christopher Columbus came to the Americas. That's his one, I would say, positive export out of the Americas <laughs> was the hammock. Because after that point, everybody slept in hammocks aboard ship, right? That was the, the, the you know, if you think of hammocks on the ship, that's what that's where they come from was Christopher Columbus in South America. But in South America, that's how they hang the hammock. It's just a gathered in hammock, you know, this this sometimes a tight weave, sometimes a more open weave, depending on where they live. And it's just hung point to point. Now a bridge hammock, if you really think about like a suspension bridge, right? Where you've got a flat bridge, basically, and then you've got the um, kind of the suspension bars above it. A bridge hammock, it's called a bridge hammock because it was named after these types of bridges that are the the flat bridge is suspended underneath this rigging. Um, And and yeah, the, the difference is pretty stark, right? Because in a bridge hammock, you literally do lie like a bed, almost flat. I mean, there, there are some that are com- really, I would say, completely flat. There's some pretty cool designs out there. Now, um, when would you use one over the other? Honestly, I would say it's just down to personal preference. And that personal preference can be af- affected by anything from, you know, if you're, if you're backpacking and, and how much you want to carry versus not carry, because, you know, you can get a, a, a small gathered in hammock, for, for example, that is just tiny and lightweight versus a bridge hammock. You've got to carry, <clears throat> it, it comes with it just a few more ounces, sometimes more of additional weight because you have to have spreader bars that keep the sides open. Um, people have tried to get inventive of, you know, dual use trekking poles and other things, but they are generally heavier. They, they're a little bit more uh, finicky to set up. Sometimes they can be a little tippy depending on the style. And there's some, I mean, I've, I've tested all of them and uh, there are some that I feel like I'm in a coffin, right? You're just like curled up in this thing and you're like deep down and like, how do I get out of this? So yeah, there, I think it's really down to personal preference. I, I, there's only a few, I'll be honest. My personal preference is a gathered in hammock. Uh, there's a few bridge hammocks that I actually have enjoyed, but I see them more as, I don't know, a, a fun diversion for car camping versus the kind of camping I prefer to take on. I would rather just take a simple gathered in hammock. That's, but that's my personal preference. Yeah. So a few things I would say, um, so like the way that how it relates to a suspension bridge is also like the, one of the bigger differences between gathered in and a bridge hammock is like where the center of force is, like how from the suspension point, uh, the force of like your body weight is spread across. So like, because in a bridge hammock, it's cut with, uh, basically an hourglass shape and it has webbing that lines the edges. Uh, the pole actually splits the force into and runs it down the sides of the hammock. So the sides feel really tight the hourglass cut lifts up the middle, right? Because you don't have material there. So that's what gives you support, like where your butt is. Whereas a gathered in hammock, the center line, the the force is on the center line, which is when you lay it in the diagonal goes basically like under your knees. So you notice a difference in the way that it lays. Like that's why it's so supportive is because it splits the force off to the sides. Um, Also, I would agree that uh, I've tried lots and made lots and lots of bridge hammocks. Uh, and I think my favorite time to use them would definitely be in the summer because you can get like awesome airflow. And also because of the cuts of the side, you can see much more of your surroundings. Like it's pretty difficult in a gathered in hammock to not have at least one side of the hammock creating a wall over the whatever shoulder that you don't have a cut on. 
even if the bug net is cut symmetrically, asymmetrically, it doesn't matter. Um, so that's one reason why I like using a bridge hammock, but I would also agree. Like some people are dedicated to it. If they, if they just find that it works for them, they have super bad, like lower back support problems and that helps or something, but it is a lot to carry. I've done yeah, like trekking poles, carbon poles, all of that. Oh, another downfall to a bridge hammock is that you normally need a wider and longer tarp because you need, that's true. The bridge hammock has, in order to support the weight of the poles and not put too much tension on them laterally, you need a triangle suspension that will like slowly taper that force out. And what that does is create a, a longer maximum length or like a minimum length, that a longer minimum length that you would use to, to be able to set up properly. Gotcha. So the gathered end, the, 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 the part that you need to cover to not get wet is just the end of the gathered end. I see. Right? Yeah. If you have a drip line. But for a bridge hammock, like you want to cover up that suspension triangle or try to so that you don't have water. Also, you have like 14 drip lines. And then also you have poles on the sides, right, that might be 36 to 40 inches wide at the head end, where when you sit in, you take a pole and you basically push it up against the side of your tarp. So you want a tarp that has something, some way to pull it out so that you don't like rub a hole into your tarp. So I don't want to make this uh, an entry or an intro to hammock camping. That's what Derek's book is for, which we'll talk about more later. Uh, But you go check it out called The Ultimate Hang. Um, But there's a few questions I have about hammocks and bridge hammocks now to to follow up. Um, So I'm sure a question that everyone has about hammock camping is where can you hang them? So another thing about the bridge hammock is that you have a limit on where you can hang your hammock because you have to have a, a wider length, right? But Derek, what sort of um, t- what sort of template do you have in your mind for when you're going to find two trees to hang from? You know, what I've, I, I think about this a lot, right? Like it, even in my book, how can I make this as simple as possible? Because so many people struggle with it. And what I've come, come up with is, is this. You're looking for some some uh, two sturdy supports that are at least six steps apart or three paces. That's roughly between 12 and 15 feet, right? It, it, it doesn't have to be exact, but I that's what I say is six steps, reach head high, and that's that's your hang point. So that's about it. So when it comes to trees, though, the other I use kind of not the rule of thumb, but the rule of my palm. You want to have a a tree that's at least as thick, you know, the diameter, the width of that tree is at least a a span of your hand across is a good rule of thumb around the tree. Um, We've seen a lot. In fact, there's been some hammock manufacturers recently that have been sued because of, you know, people hanging dangerously, doing things that are probably not wise uh, because there's, there's also a culture within some in the hammock community about, hanging in crazy places. Uh, I'm guilty a little bit too, because it it does lend itself to hanging in a lot of really cool places, places that you could never have put like a a tent before, right? Um, And and if you've ever seen people that climb cliffs and they put up a portal ledge, right? A portal ledge is in some cases a, a hybrid hammock, but I don't think most people would consider hanging on a cliff edge as sane or recommended but if you know what you're doing right if you're if you're practiced and understand it yeah there's a lot of places you can hang so for most people though you're looking for two sturdy trees that are alive right they're absolutely alive they're at least a hand span across six steps between them and head high that's that's about it right six paces head or six steps head high you're pretty good one thing i also recommend is if you really just 
aren't good with, I guess, like stepping, <laughs> walking. You you ha- you're going to have a tarp with you. That's a given length that you know. So if you had to, you could if you're especially if your tarp's in like snake skins, you could just put it in between the two trees, like even on the ground, and you know you have an 11 foot tarp. Then you know that your tree spacing is relative to 11 feet. Or if you have one of your tree straps that you know is 12 feet, you could also lay that on one side. Like again, after you do this a few times, you don't need to do that. But I have found that sometimes people even just like trying to do paces, they're like, I don't know. Uh, and it's true. You look and then they have, they're like 24 feet apart in the trees. <laughs> and, um, I lost count after five. <laughs> so anyways, that's yeah, just another tip you could use. If you, if you have something that you know is a given length, yeah. like your trekking pole, you could use that too, to yeah. do it, get a rough yep, measurement. That's smart. That's smart. Yeah. The more that's, that's a good tip too, right? The, the further, the further apart your trees are, it's, it's even more problematic um, because it can put not only, I mean, technically speaking, you know, if you have a gathered in hammock and you're trying to hang it with a good sag, um, that the angle that it goes up only in the, the distance up the tree, your hang point only increases the further apart your, your anchor points are. So some people try to, to fudge that a little bit by, cause you have a really great distance, but they can only reach so high so then you start having to, you know, utilize things like, like a, a ridgeline, which I think ridgelines are great almost all the time, but they're really helpful for things like if you have a really long distance, because it prevents the hammock from being pulled too far apart. But again, there's, there's a lot of, a lot of tricky things about hammocks, but that's, that's the, tr- that's the easy one, right? Just six steps, head high. There you go. So we... I've learned about bridge hammocks, gathered in hammocks, how many steps apart you want to be. You just mentioned another really important part of hammocks, which is the ridge line. Um, and you also mentioned a big piece, which is a ton of people. I mean, there are a lot of variables to hammock camping, so it can get kind of confusing. But we're trying to <laughs> to alleviate some of those fears. Let's talk about why the ridge line is important uh, and what to look for in a ridge line. Well, why are ridge lines important? I, you know, you, you could argue either way because I have lots of hammocks that I don't use a ridge line for. Um, and I think for, for just recreational hammocking, like if you're throwing a hammock in the backyard, it doesn't matter at all. In fact, most people that are picking up like an Eno or a Grand Trunk and they're just in the, either their backyard or at the college campus, they just want a lounger. And honestly, that could it doesn't matter <laughs> how you hang it. Oftentimes they're hanging it pretty crappily, but... Um, <laughs> and that's fine. You know, they, they're happy with it as long as they're safe. And I, I know that I'm going off on a tangent. So where ridgelines really, I think come in handy is if you plan to sleep in a hammock, that's really where the ridgelines I think are phenomenal because you can consistently hang your hammock the same way every single time, right? You're not relying on that. And I think Hennessy was one of the first to really market it that way. So it didn't really matter how tight you pulled your suspension straps as long as that ridgeline was fairly taut, your hammock you knew was going to be set up. So that's really where the ridgeline is helpful is if you're planning to sleep in the hammock because you can set your hammock, get the ridgeline the way you want it. And the ridgeline, again, it's just a, a, a tension point between the two ends of your gathered in hammock that allow the, the fabric to not be pulled too far apart. And then uh, you can lay the same way every single night. That's awesome. You know, that's that I think simplifies even trying to find the, the right distance trees, as we mentioned before, right? All of those things kind of get minimized. So that's where I think ridgelines really play a big difference. But if you're just recreational, doesn't matter. 
They also give you a spot to conveniently hang stuff, which one downfall for some people that might prefer tents is that they're like, well, yeah, I mean, I can just have all my gear right beside me. I just, I, you know, you can set up a fan, whatever. So in a, without a ridgeline in a hammock that you're, that you're sleeping in, uh, not only you, you have no place to put anything, I guess, unless you're going to like keep it, you're going to wear like a weird suit coat where you can just have a bunch of stuff in all your pockets. <laughs> if we were like, yeah, there's a, gear. lots of other advantages, right? They can, you can like this hammock has an integrated bug net, so it helps keep the bug net off of you. Um, there are some hammocks, for example, that don't use ridge lines, but have a bug net and they have to find other ways of like stringing it up or pulling it up another way. So this is kind of an automatic. It's really nice. Um, you do have to be a little careful. Like this hammock is nice. It has a deep enough sag. It's long enough that the, the ridge line you can see, I've got about, I don't know, four or five inches of head clearance. Um, some hammocks that are shorter, like the Hennessy, that ridge line is actually more like this and you, you bang your head on it. So, you know, there's pros and cons. You have to kind of keep that in mind. What's your go-to hammock now, Derek? You, I know you said gathered end hammocks, but what do you, what do you like? Oh man, th- this one's going to get me in trouble, isn't it? So <laughs> you may have just to just like, go for it. <laughs> just have to bleep this one out. So okay, yeah. Let let me first give a caveat. I I have tested probably every hammock on the market. What we know, and what by on the market I mean, you can buy it and you can pick it up off the shelf. Uh, especially camping hammocks and there are some that um yeah i would i would never try again (laughs) and others that i'll be honest i i have had some surprises over the years so let me tell you the ones i have i have a special drawer in my room where i keep the hammocks that i use a lot and there's a couple of them so again no offense to any of the other hammock manufacturers out there and i and the other caveat is this hammocking is such a personal preference right so well look can i just tell you this quick anecdotal story Go you guys it. know um hammock gear so the the owner of hammock gear he he and i are, are friends and um i went out to trail days one year and we were talking about you know our favorite hammocks and at the time we were all like it was all the rush of what, what was the lightest hammock out there and at the time grand trunk had just released their their ultralight hammock it was a smaller hammock, I think nine feet, maybe nine and a half feet by four feet. And, um, and it was really light, I think four or five, five and a half ounces. Right. And, and I tried it and I thought at first I really wanted to love it, but I was having a hard time because it was so stretchy that I, I couldn't enjoy it. Now, uh, the owner of, of hammock gear, he's like a foot taller than I am. Right. And he, he's so funny. He's like, this is my favorite hammock. Now I would have never, I would have never thought that that hammock would have been good for him because he's so much taller and that hammock is so small, but he actually enjoyed sleeping on his side, kind of curled up in the fetal position. And for him, it was perfect. Right. So it's really tough to say like, what is the perfect hammock for any one person? Because depending on all kinds of factors, right. I, I, I can usually ball mark or yeah, ballpark where someone will fit in a good hammock based on their size, their height and how they want to hang. But with all those caveats in place, right, what's the perfect hammock for anybody is going to be personal. So here's what, here's what I use. The hammock that I'm in right now is one of my favorites. This is actually the Kamek Mantis hammock. And I love it for a couple of reasons. One is the, fa- the fabric itself is not too stretchy. That's one of my biggest, I, I hate really stretchy hammocks because if it starts curling my shoulders up, 
and then like my butt will hang or like sag right in the middle. That causes all a whole bunch of other issues, right? Hypertension of my knees, ankle, ankle strain, shoulder strain. I can sleep in it, but I'm not going to love it. So this hammock is really good for that. I also love the fact that this is an all-in-one hammock. And what, by all-in-one, I mean it included the tarp. It included bug netting and everything. It was awesome. Um, another one that I really love is the Eno Jungle Nest. Uh, I know this might sound crazy too because I have not mentioned a cottage vendor yet. But Eno just came out with their Jungle Nest. And I was, I was blown away because I've tested their original Jungle Nest and I didn't like it at all. Their new jungle nest is much more like this Kamuk uh, mantis. It's much, the, the fabric is better. It's bigger. It's longer. Like they, they've actually learned some lessons from people who've actually been in hammocks for a long time. Even though they're in the hammock business, they've often had short but wide hammocks. Like reduce the width and increase the length and you will increase the comfort exponentially. And sure enough, their new jungle nest does that. Uh, the Warbonnet XLC is also on my list and also the Dutchware Chameleon. Um, Again, it, to me, it comes down to the fabric, and I, I like the simplicity of some of those hammocks as well. They're not too big because, um, again, my preference is more of an ultralight or lightweight hammock where I, that, that simplicity is more important to me than all the bells and whistles, right? Like, I can't stand having tons of all the accessories in a hammock. I just want simple and easy, and I'm good. I like your list. I'm surprised by your list, but I like it. Uh, I'll give mine just cause I'm like, you know, the secondary expert. Um, my list is also very long. Take the same caveats that, uh, Derek said earlier. Uh, cause I have, uh, both a lot of customers and then a, a lot of f- personal friends. Um, if I had to pick favorites, I would say one of my, one of my favorite hammocks is the trail layer from simply light designs from Jared. Hmm. Um, it, you know, uh, most bug netted hammocks uh, from cottage industry are all kind of the same. However, I there's something about like both the cut of his net and where it puts certain relief points for your shoulders and your knees that I like. And also Jared is just like you can get something custom and in like 46 minutes he's already made the entire thing and sends it to you. And it's just incredible. <laughs> it's just incredible to me. Um, fabric is a little different because I... I have like very specific widths. So I've tried a hammock. I've tried the same, like let's say 20 fabrics and then all cut down to different widths to figure out which fabric and which width is the best for me. So I do know that like 62 to 64 inches wide is like perfect for me. But again, that's like more of a custom thing. So I would say simply light designs, trail layer, awesome hammock. Um, uh, my friend, Jeremy, from Bonefire Gear, which I don't know if that. Oh, Jeremy's awesome. Yeah. So I know that you tried one of his hammocks, but it was like version one. This was like 10 years ago or something. I don't, it's been a long yeah, yeah. time. It was, it was a good one. His latest iteration, uh, which is maybe two years old at this point, has been one of my favorite hammocks just for a, I think he was really one of the first people to combine insulation and a hammock in a way that was done properly. So there's some math that becomes involved with, hanging like laying diagonally and then the fabric that's stretching on the bias and not compressing that insulation is really difficult to do. And then you also kind of have to force the person to lay. You have to create a sweet spot for them. Like most people, when if you lay in a gathered in hammock, you kind of just learn what feels good, but to Mm -hmm. be able to like create that spot for like every person that gets in is really a cool thing to me. So that's, that's another one of my top picks for sure. 
Uh, if I had to have a third. Uh, okay, just Bill. So Bill Townsend from, uh, uh, what is it? I don't know what his actual company name is at this point, but he is one of the people that makes a very interesting bridge hammock that is a fully spliced bridge hammock that's also adjustable on the ends. It's like the mixture of a Grizz Bridge aerial and uh, maybe... Uh, uh, what is the a Ridge Runner? Like if you put those together, uh huh. Probably my favorite bridge hammock. You can sleep on your stomach in that one. Um, insulation that's gets amazing. a little difficult. Uh, but yeah, that's my top three. For people that have no idea what I'm talking about, I just needed to say it to Derek. So, <laughs> no, that's good. It's geeking out. Where do you think your two preferences uh, differ or come together? Like both of you mentioned how fabric's really important to you, but what are the attributes of the fabric that are really important? Like Derek, you mentioned stiffness. Carter, is that also important to you? Or in like, yeah, well, I, I think some of it starts out with, well, a few things. Number one, I'm a much bigger person than Derek. Uh, I've I've tried the same fabrics for better or for worse at like 190 pounds and like 280 pounds. So I also know which ones, like if I gain weight, which ones to switch to. I think my proximity to custom materials is better than probably anyone in the U.S. Uh, So I like it's a little bit different. Uh, I'm I'm also taller. I'm gonna assume I'm around six one. So yeah, yeah. uh, Um, but yes, I I do think that there are universal truths. Somewhat like stiffness is important. Having a hammock that doesn't stretch too much is important to mitigate like the calf ridge from that center line, uh, shoulder squeeze, all of those things. Uh, it's kind of like pitch, picking a mattress firmness, but too stretchy is like straight up waterbed. And I, uh, so it's true. Yeah. You know, so let me, let me explain something too that I, this, this is what was the revelation when I was in the Eno, right? So I just recently tested the Eno jungle nest. And I was surprised because not only did they have a different fabric, it was a diamond uh, ripstop. And as I looked into it, I realized, you guys probably know this even better. You can explain it better. But I, so like this, let me show you this fabric to you guys. I don't know if you can see this. This is like a typical gridded fabric, right? With weft and warp on a fabric. Um, When most people understand about how fabric is, is made and constructed, you know, stretch when you've got a the warp and weft like in a grid like this, there's not any really stretch on if you go like north, south, east, west, right? But if you go from like northeast to southwest across that diagonal, you go, you'll get a lot of stretch there because it's across that bias. Correct. Um, and that's how that's how a lot of fabrics in hammocks work as well. And that's why like you can have a nice uh, ripstop fabric, but you're laying on the stretchiest part of the fabric. You're, you're laying where the stretch is maximized. And for some fabrics, like it's ridiculous how much stretch there is. Now, especially when you get into the really lightweights, right? The 1.1s, the 1.2s. Um, but when you can get a fabric that actually has the ripstop is on a diagonal, right? You eliminate a significant portion of that stretch. And that's what is different about the Eno jungle nest is that they're diamond, you know, any, any fabric that has that kind of diamond where the, the bias that you're laying on is in line with that ripstop, it minimizes that stretch. Just like you can't stretch fabric, you know, lengthwise and widthwise, but you can stretch it diagonally when the ripstop is diagonal. That was awesome. And I'm like, oh my gosh, that's why they're, cause it's such a lightweight fabric. That's another reason why I like it. Right. I love, uh, 
lightweight gear. I'm trying to minimize my pack size and weight. So I'm looking for, you know, my own combination of factors. And to have a lightweight hammock that doesn't stretch is great for me. To all the points that you just said, right? Like when it's too stretchy, you're going to hurt yourself sometimes. Um, so anyway, that was just an interesting thing. And you guys know probably better than anyone is how, how fabric plays a significant role in the comfort of any material. Yes. I mean, it's one of my favorite things in the world to talk about. Um, the only caveat I will say, just because Kyle will get mad at me if I don't, you know, say a technical thing, is that technically in the, like, although it's industry standard to refer to a diamond weave or grid as ripstop, it's ripstop, it's technically considered like a dobby weave because of the way that it's done. Um, but anyways, just have to say that. For oh no, that's awesome! I love technical uh, terms, but like it's that. still I'm true. Write that down. What you're describing is still absolutely true. That's like most of our hammock specific fabrics have uh, both like a diamond weave and a traditional ripstop, and in some of them, the hybridized versions, like the Mountain 1.2 Nylon 6.6, has a, a much thicker thread in the ripstop, which also helps the stretch even more. You can also change the thread count uh, in the warp or the weft to decrease the stretch in that direction more there's all kinds of stuff like that that you can do uh, but you're exactly right um that's awesome you gotta have you gotta mitigate that stretch in all directions yep cool so carter that's why I mean, i've never actually put this together and i feel a bit silly being you know supposed to be one of the fabric kind of more knowledgeable people here but that's why our hyper d's been so popular right is because it has the the Dobby Weaver, that diamond grid that people notice. That's why it's one of the most loved fabrics that we have. Is that right? Uh, I mean, it definitely still has more stretch than like the ones that have like basically just every direction of possible reinforcement. Um, but I also think that Hyper D has been so popular, A, because it was one of the first available hammock specific fabrics that you could buy. And then also it has specific finishes on it and like uses dull yarns and things like that to make the hand feel better, which is another huge uh, subjective thing because um, like for instance we have a fabric that uses air textured yarn which is 1.8 air wave which is like specifically designed to have this awesome cotton like hand feel uh, so for some people they're like this is the best thing ever I talked about this uh, either on an upcoming episode or one that upcoming okay upcoming episode um, uh, I Kyle and I developed this fabric together and I finally got like one of the samples in and I was so excited I actually worked with Dream Hammock, and they made me a hammock out of that I could take to some trade shows. So I get home, I go into my gear room. Yes, I have a gear room. And I put it on the hammock stand, and I laid in, and I was like, this is the worst thing I've ever laid in my life. It was like 7 p.m. I, I, I called Kyle, and I was like, dude, this sucks. Like, what are we going to do? And he, was, he assured me, he's like, it, you know, at this point, we have so many different fabrics that appeal to very specific people, which is awesome. This one probably just doesn't appeal to you. Uh, but yeah. It was weird. I didn't like it because it had so much friction that like if you were naked, it'd probably feel awesome. But most of the time you're wearing shorts <laughs> or something and the shorts would stick to the fabric and kind of hold it. So you would like go to turn over and you'd like twist your shorts around backwards like while you were trying to turn around. But anyways, that's, that's an awesome. example of how when you get into these specialized uh, different hand feels and textures and finishes, you can create all this different cool stuff for different people. But there's still this subjectivity of like, yeah, I will. I will never have a hammock out of 1.8 Airwave ever, and that's okay because I'm sure there are thousands of people that do like it. 
let's continue down this material road though and talk about other hammock materials and maybe even some shelter materials that we feel like getting kind of crazy i want to ask one more question oh, yeah go for it one more oh dear uh <laughs> i wanted to know what is the weirdest slash most unique hammock that you've tried and you can give me two the weirdest most unique so there there's this really cool uh dcf hammock that is kind of a well you know that the amok hammock yeah yeah, yeah. It, it's the perpendicular 90 degree hammock mm-hmm. i have three so it's it's it very <laughs> I, I i used to have three we <laughs> anyway so th- this hammock you would sleep it was very similar to that way um but um and you needed a pad for rigidity but it was i mean it was like a imagine an amok but minimalistic lots of it almost looked like a parachute in terms of all the strings that had come out of it. Uh, you, I guess you didn't have to have, uh, like I did try it without a pad. You could sleep. I mean, it was, it was remarkable, but man, you, you, you almost felt like you were in like a cobweb of material and it came with the DCF uh, tarp as well. So that one, that one is, I still have it. Like I, I don't know what to do with it. Like it is, it's, Dude, send it's it to amazing. Me. <laughs> yeah. I know what it's the gamma. So it's the gamma UL 90 degree by hammock tent, I think, or something like That's that. Right. That's is right. Is that the name of it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Good job. Thank so it, I didn't, didn't want to spoil it, but that, that was, oh. that was a pretty interesting one. Um, like it's so cool. Cause it's like super lightweight, this teeny little package. You'd think it'd appeal to me, but I, I have a hard time figuring out how to, <laughs> how to get in it and use it so it's it's a tough one um what's another weird one you know well when all of the you guys remember all the tree hammock tents that were coming out tensile and others like um so i i've i've got like four of those and one of them was a a a single one anyway those ones are pretty cool i liked them but uh man they made it they make it really tricky to uh like i took it on a backpacking trip once uh, no, I had one that was a dual, like a two-person one, right? And uh, we, I figured out how to try to make it as light as possible. Like I shedded the, uh, I, I was able to use like trucker's hitches and stuff instead of the big uh, mm-hmm. cranks that, metal cranks that they, they provide. So I, I proved that it was possible, but uh, you know, it's like, man, I could, for all the time it took for me to get that set up and whatever, it was, my son enjoyed it because he was able to sleep flat and it felt more like a tent, you know? But yeah, those, those are very interesting hammocks as well, or, you know, hybrid type type hammocks. Did we try that hammock? Uh, you have tried the hammock drummer. I don't know how to say it. I'm going to say drummer. If it's wrong, <laughs> I guess I'm a bad guy. Hammock drummer, like XL5 or something is one okay. you've tried. It's one of the most recent models. But. Yeah, that one, that yeah. Was, it was kind of scary. It was getting in was pretty acrobatic. I remember or out. I don't remember which one. Yeah, because you have to like fold the pad up and then sit yeah. down in it. It's it's one of those things where you get used to it, but also it's like really heavy. They do have a new one, uh, the ultralight version that's made out of like a monolight similar material, which I haven't tried yet. I'm sure it's cool, but that would be interesting. Yes. Um, I'm trying to think if I know of any weird hammocks. I know we have to go on, but I'm just yeah. getting too excited. There, there's a bridge hammock that's come out that it's funny that the guy that developed it, he he doesn't live far away from. Well, his, maybe his grandparents don't live far away. His name is Derek as well. You may have seen some of his ads on uh, Facebook, but it's a bridge style hammock. But it's a compl- what is it called? I'm gonna have the, to look it up. The real Haven. Quick. The Haven. Yeah. yeah. So I've got two of his hammocks, the ultralight and like the XL. 
And there's a, those are pretty cool. I would still consider them a traditional bridge hammock, but it, it's kind of a hybrid in the sense that it does it relies on the pad as well to provide the stiffness. But it's probably the flattest bridge hammock. You know, it, it actually reminds me more of um, historically one of the first bridge hammocks that was ever developed was by um, the, the the Royal Navy. Uh, they the the officers had very different hammocks than the enlisted men and their, their hammocks were more like a bed cot. Right. But the Haven is very similar to that in its construction and build. It's a very flat hammock. It's amazing. Uh, it's almost uncanny when I slept in them, like uh, you, you would expect, cause you know, even with the bridge hammock, there's a bit of a curvature that you expect on, on the body, but this one doesn't have any of that. So that's another interesting one to check out. I want to try that one. That's one. That's like one of the only ones I haven't tried. I almost bought it like 15 times, but I didn't. <laughs> All right. I've got one up on you then. <laughs> yeah. So let's, let's, uh, let's chat materials now. Um, there's a ton of different hammocks, like we've mentioned from camping hammocks to just leisure, uh, to putting exact, uh, exact application aside a little bit. What are some of the most intriguing hammock fabrics to you that are out there right now? intriguing hammock fabrics man i don't know if i'm qualified i'm sitting in the (laughs) midst of giants and you're asking me about hammock fabrics you've already proven that i don't know anything about fabrics that's not true this is gonna this is gonna be tricky experiential wisdom is just as good as technical wisdom well um i mean as i mentioned before the 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 grid stops that that you talked about the diagonal man, I even forgot the name of it already. <laughs> the Dobby weave. Dobby weave. So I don't know though. That's a pretty cool fabric. I, it's hard for me to get super technical when I think of fabrics. I, I can tell you the ones I don't like even easier, like the monofilament fabrics. I wanted to fall in love with monofilament because again, it was supposed to be this promise of super strength tensile like i think dutchware did a video right where he put like a thousand fifteen hundred pounds of fabric in it i'm like oh my gosh it's not breaking that's awesome but then i and i spent a lot of money on a really nice ghost hammock you guys remember that i think it was ghost whisperer anyway it was awesome it's an i still have it in my drawer i just haven't it's just so stretchy oh my gosh (laughs) i bet that that if that monofilament would work if it had the dobby weave but it is that uh, one. That one is. I was going to say which. Oh, I was going to say which. Uh, <laughs> uh, we can do it. Um, I was going to say which. Uh, do you know like what weight of monofilament were you, you were using? They're usually it's like 0. 0.7, 1.0, and 1.5. We have three. To, because of oh, the issue you're man. talking about, we made a thicker one that had less stretch so that you still got the benefits of like being able to see through it. And it's still relatively light. <laughs> I don't know if that's a benefit. It's <laughs> like. It depends wearing, on what you're doing, like, you know? showing my nakedness to the whole world um yeah i don't i don't see the uh, see-through as much of a benefit but it is kind of it's like having a see-through bottom on your pool or your boat right it's it's cool don't get me wrong i was really going for the lightweight like again i i thought it was gonna be my perfect hammock because it was like super light but had a bug net and all in one like that was that's my dream right to have this ultra light hammock so if you can give me some fabric that doesn't have the stretch I may I may change my thoughts about monofilament, but today my monofilament hammock is, I th- I think it's got like two nights of sleep in it, and I don't know if I'd even call it sleep because I was not the greatest sleep <laughs> I've ever had. 
But um, I don't know. The Hyper D, I, I like that fabric. I've used that quite a bit. Like the 1.6 is good. And I'd have to check. I think the ones that are like the, the Eno and this, uh, I just did a review actually. Maybe I have, maybe I have it written down because I think it's like a 20D or 30D. Let's see. Oh, no. Yeah. So the, the Eno Jungle Net is a 40D. The Kamek Mantis that I'm in right now is a 40D. Oh, no. The Ultralight. Sorry. The one that I'm in right now is a 20D. So that's about as technical as I can give you about the fabric. Well, I can give you the corresponding like. weights for those. Typically, a 40 denier fabric is going to be 1.5 ounces to 1.6 ounces around that area. A 20 denier is going to be around 1.1 to 1.3. There it is. You've heard it. That's what I like. <laughs> this is so fun. This is fun. Um, uh, okay, so going along with that, you mentioned uh, like monolight, not for you. I totally understand. Again, airwave. I get it. Um, what is the worst night in a hammock that you've ever had? Well, I'm sure we all have our stories, but I'm interested in, in yours. In oh, particular. my gosh. The worst night. I, I've had a lot of them. They usually – they're either they're either the experience like um, – like I just told you where this, the fabric just sucked. And it's funny because a lot of the, a lot of them were self-imposed because I, a lot of hammock companies over the years have sent me hammocks. That's really how I got my collection was just testing a ton of hammocks. And I've suffered through a lot of testing to just be like, man, that sucked. So, <laughs> uh, but let me, let me tell you probably one of the earliest, this is probably um, <laughs> when I was first starting with hammock camping. Um, this is before underquilts were, were, were really a thing. And so people were providing all kinds of ideas, everything from like reflective liners to uh, cardboard. Um, like I can't, you can't believe like all the things that people were proposing. Like this is, this is how the homeless people stay warm. So it's good. It's got to work for everybody <laughs> else. Right. So we were out in Virginia um, in the George Washington national forest, had a, a troop of boy scouts with me and I was the only one in a hammock and, I had what I thought was a 20 degree synthetic bag, sleeping bag. And I had, um, I just, I think a thin blue cell, you know, closed cell foam pad underneath me. And I was thinking, man, I'm living large. This is going to be awesome. And I had never been so cold in my entire life. I think it, I was expecting it to get down in the thirties, but it dropped down below 15 degrees. And I knew that I was in trouble when I was getting a headache. Like I was shivering so much and I did all the tricks, right? Like I boiled water in a, in a bottle and I think it finally froze. Like, like all the things that I thought I was trying to do right. And I had the most miserable night's sleep. And I, in, in fact, what I eventually did, thankfully we were car camping. I said, once I started getting a headache, I'm like, my brain is literally freezing. Like I am freezing to death. And while I still have a little bit of consciousness, I went to my car and turned it on and I just slept, you know, the rest of the night in my car. So that was probably, that's probably the only time that I remember where I've, I've abandoned my hammock because I was life threatening. I'm going to reverse share this story and then Carter will fill in the blank. But the opposite <laughs> of your story, I had one of the finest partial nights of sleep i've ever had in a hammock this february carter isaac and i were out in the pisgah national forest we were we were uh, a little bit of hiking a lot of hanging uh and i just 
it was like 19 degrees that night. And I just got so cozy. I had one of Carter's nicest setups and I was just, it was the finest sleep I ever had. And it was rudely interrupted <laughs> by, <laughs> by Carter, uh, shivering uncontrollably and unable to use words, just saying cold. <laughs> yeah. So pretty much everything you just described is exactly what happened to me, except for I had a thousand dollars worth of down around me and it's still, so basically what happened is that I was trying out a new something, a hammock I had never slept in before. It was, I've slept in an XLC, but it was a Warbonne XLC double layer. And I was using uh, a Wookiee, which is an underquilt that's designed for it. Um, yeah, yeah. And I'd used that before, but I was prepared for maybe like 28 degrees and it well, ended up being like 15 to 19. And something happened with my hammock. Like the, I think the rubber band somehow I had it messed up because that's what gives the underquilt tension. It like snapped. And so I just realized I was just freezing. So I had all these hot hands and I opened like 15 hot hands at once and they were the sticky kind. And I just stuck them all (laughs) over my body. And I just, I was like, dude, there's no way like it's, we were going to have to hike out of here. And I was like, all right, I'm going to go tell Jameson that I'm just going to hike out and I'll just come meet them in the morning and it'll be fine. And then my hammock suspension, my tarp snapped somehow and fell on me while all this was happening. And I was like, Oh my God, you can bleep this. But I was like, all right, this is like, I'm done. I'm so I go over to Jameson. He's like, so I, I am not, I don't wake up easily. I'm a very, very deep sleeper. And obviously we were all hanging out camping together. We not, not a ridiculous amount, but we had had some whiskey and I was just sleeping perfectly. So Carter comes and wakes me up and I'm like, (laughs) I basically, I don't even know what I said, something like that. And I was like, I'm just going to go down. He's like, well, you need to wake up Isaac and let him know too. I would say that Isaac had consumed. Which, which is also my way of saying, I don't really want to deal with this yet. Go bother somebody else yeah, real quick. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, dude, whatever. I don't, whatever. So I go over to Isaac. He certainly had, I would say, the most whiskey of the three of us. So he's snoring. <laughs> and I wake him up and I'm like, hey, dude, my tarp fell. I'm freezing. Like, I just need to hike down to the car. I just wanted to let you know before I go. Like I'm uh, it's unsafe how cold I am right now. And he just goes, why? (laughs) (laughs) That was his only response. He was also having one of his finest nights. Incoherent response. It's funny. Why? (laughs) Uh, But yeah, it turned out to be a fun trip. We stayed in a hotel (laughs) that most of them were already full. So we had to go to like three hotels. It was, it was a good time. But anyways, we have very similar. It seems like most of the people that have bad nights in a hammock, it's because their insulation is something is wrong with staying warm. Well, and you're testing, like both of you were trying, like experimenting with new things. It wasn't like the dialed system. You know, I think, I feel like most people have a dialed hammock system, aren't going to have a bad experience like that. Every time I've gone hammock camping in the past two years, I've had something like a major piece of gear that I've just never even used before at all. And I'm just cocky enough to think I'll figure it out. And sometimes it just doesn't work out. You know, it's sad to say that I, I reflect that a lot. I have to admit though, I mean, in the last several years, I've really declined um, so much of, because as the hammock industry has really blossomed and become its own thing, my, my need to evangelize or, you know, I, I honestly, it did feel like I was like a prophet to try to tell people the yes. good ways of hammocking. I don't need to do that anymore. And so I've really taken a back seat and enjoyed so many other people that have done this. So I haven't, the nice thing is, 
I haven't had to test stuff for a long time, which has allowed me to do to in, to actually enjoy hammock camping. Like, because you know, your my trips are precious, and it's always been not always, but sometimes it's frustrating. Like, man, I've got I want to go camping, but I've got to test this dang hammock. I would much rather have something bring something that I really love. So you're absolutely right when you have when you have your kit dialed in and you've got something that you really love. It does make it so great. And, and that's what I love too. Like people that, that love to like accessorize their hammocks and they've, I mean, I've, you've been to those, those big gear or uh, hammock hangs and, and it amazes me because I bring out like my little teeny kit and I'm just happy to like be in a corner. And these guys have got palaces with carpets oh, yeah. and, and shag and all kinds of stuff. I'm like, Oh my <laughs> gosh, it gives me hives just looking at all the stuff you had to bring. But you know yeah, what? Like if it makes you happy, radios, yeah, makes you happy. That's awesome, and I am. I'm very happy that they are that they are loving their setups. But, but yeah, when you get it dialed in, it does make a huge difference. And I want everyone to everyone that's listening to know that these stories again are, are unique. Like we're not trying to we're not trying to to hide or to to lie about hammock camping. Like you're you're probably going to sleep fine. These were pretty. Uh, interesting situations and pretty cold temperatures that you wouldn't normally find yourself well, in. If you're going camping, you will eventually have a bad night. Yeah. It's probably going to be when you start. It just so happens that we're talking about doing it with hammocks, but uh, yeah. I can guarantee you, and this will, this can segue us in if you want me to for the next part is like, if you've been in a hammock, you've definitely, or a tent, you've definitely had water get in your tent or you've definitely had like condensation that like got all over your sleeping bag and was soaking wet. Or you've definitely uh, had like a spider crawl in on your face or, had a root in your back for the whole night. So I don't think it's unique to hammocks. It's just when you do stuff that is not uh, in your comfort zone, sometimes you learn from it in ways that aren't fun at the time. Uh, Well, the conventional wisdom really is if any gear that you're going to take out, take a moment to go in your backyard and, and set it up, get used to it. Like, so there are some things you can do to try to minimize those discomforts or minimize, like you said, like I've got this new piece of gear. Let me try to set it up. Let me try to get it worked out, get the bugs worked out so that when you go out in the field, you know, cause it's a lot easier in your backyard to like, oh my gosh, this didn't work. I've got an escape route than it is right. to, you know, if you're up on the hill and you're like, man, that sucked, especially, you know, things like insulation, you want to stay dry, you want to stay warm. Um, so yeah, that's, those are really good points. So do you ever use a tent? <laughs> this is another place where you can bleep it out, right? No. Um, yes, I do. In fact, uh, if in the very beginning, you probably saw my little slideshow, right? Of some of the, I mean, I was not only a, a, a diehard tent camper, I was became a diehard tarp camper. So talk about sleeping on the ground in a way that, you know, it, it you had to get used to it when you, you don't have that, that pretend fourth wall that, that blocks out all the, the, nightly critters and the bears like oh i'm safe right when you're tarp camping you are literally looking out and like i can see and hear everything but you know what? it was a really good transition for me to to hammock camping because hammock camping is just the elevated whole form of tarp camping um but i will occasionally pull out the tent um my kids i have to laugh and i hope they will forgive me for saying this because when they were younger, I would take them out hammock camping all the time. And, and I thought we had a blast. Uh, but as some of them have grown up, they, they just don't like hammocks, right? It sounds sacrilegious, but uh, it's my, my one failure as a parent. Some of them actually <laughs> prefer sleeping in a tent. So we will often bring a tent. They can sleep in it. And 
if I have to, maybe I'll sleep in it if I can't get into a hammock. So yeah, occasionally I'll be in a tent. I'm not, I'm not totally against it. Not, not proud to say it, but not totally against it. (laughs) Uh, What's your other gear like? What do you use for uh, your pack? Like I know you say you're trying to thin your weight down, uh, your, your pack weight, stuff like that. What, What are your big three items that you normally use? My big three. So when you say, I remember, uh, yeah, big three is often your, your pack, your shelter system, your, your sleeping system and so on. Is that kind of what you're asking for? Yeah. And obviously it, you know, seasonal dependent for. Yeah. So that the two packs that I most regularly bring out, this is going to date me a little bit because if you know, these companies, you'll know kind of where I started my journey. Um, Gossamer gear, so I, I have a couple of their packs. I uh, usually take out the Gorilla is my my go-to pack for Gossamer gear. And then the other one is Go Lights. I don't know if you remember Go Lights, but they've they've kind of had a rocky yep. road of come and gone a few times. Um, I remember when, when they were kind of going out of business the first time, I like bought a whole bunch of their packs because I really liked them. They were just simple, kind of really rock solid, durable, um, and, and really easy to use. But I'm, I'm definitely in the market for a new pack. I've been looking at the Hyperlite stuff. I just wish I could afford Dyneema a little bit more than I can today because that would be the sweet spot is having a, like their Southwest is, that's kind of on my Christmas list is to get that. Uh, that's my sweet spot, about 40, 40 liters weatherproof. I know they don't want to say waterproof, but you know, you can get it just to, it doesn't soak any water. It would be awesome. So insulation wise, most of my insulation, I'll have to say, is hammock gear. Uh, I love their, they, they do a great job with their gear, especially their insulation. I do have a Wookiee. I do have a couple of other brands. I have one of the original hammock gear under quilt, top quilt sets, you know, back when we were buying Walmart fabric. I mean, that's how, that's how early I have with hammock gear. Um, is it called the, wait, so that's like storm crow days, right? Exactly. Uh, that's exactly is it called wait is that like the crow's nest or something is that what it's called yeah all the way hey. got your history right hey. so i've also got the phoenix and the burrow those i i do have quite a, a range of sets of course like a lot of mm-hmm. diehards do so that you know when i'm but honestly i i for me it's more important for my backside to be warm so like i may i i'm fine taking like a 20 degree bag all year round like i could literally have a 20 degree bag and be fi- like an underquilt and then just vary my top quilt. I'm okay having my backside a little bit warmer than um, than not. So that's typically my range is about a 20 degree is my typical four season. Because when it gets really cold, like I will augment my system. Like, I, I don't know if you saw this, like this uh, Mylar, you know, those emergency um, sleeping bags that are basically the, that Mylar um, aluminized plastic. Yeah. I love it. So if you guys have never tried using um, a vapor barrier, so vapor barriers are one of my favorite things because especially when it gets really cold, as you mentioned, condensation is a problem, even in a hammock system. But I can I can get away with like a 20 degree degree bag and get down to the teens or even lower by not only just layering, but using something like a vapor barrier. Vapor barrier really does a great job of trapping that heat. Um, and creating a microclimate without having to add extra insulation. Because a lot of what you lose in addition to the water is, you know, that condensation piece as well. But I don't know. I, I love vapor barriers. Do I have to mention a third one? I didn't mention tarps, but I do, do you want to hear tarps? Uh, yeah, do no. tarps. And then I have, a, I remember, oh wait, you said no? Yeah, yeah, no, go for it. Okay, yeah, let's do, 
Let's do your go-to tarps, and then I'll ask my question. Okay. For my go-to tarp, I, I actually love the Sea to Summit tarp. It's a really interesting hybrid design because it's a hex on one side and it's a diamond on the other. And the reason I like that is because, again, I, I'm always looking for ways to save weight and make things simpler. And most of the time when I'm camping, I don't need 360-degree bomb-proof shelter, right? Especially if you know about site selection and setting myself up for whatever storm is coming. I can always put the hex side against where the majority of the storm is coming. And then my triangular side or my diamond side can be more open or whatever. So the axis is a little easier, saves a little bit of weight. So that's actually one of my favorite tarps, actually. Um, the, the big, I actually have a lot of big winter tarps, but I don't use them all that often, to be honest. And my, this is going to sound crazy, but I actually own a uh, Dyneema or whatever you call it, Cuban fiber uh, winter tarp. But I'm so afraid of taking that out because it's, you know, so expensive. And I, I just, I can't imagine. It's kind of like this precious, I don't know, pot of gold that I have in my drawer. I look at it and I think, is this the time? Like, no, it's not. It's, so it's like it's a fine like bottle the, of wine. You're like saving. It is. I don't know dinner. what to do with it. Like it's so awesome. I have it in my my gear closet. It's like one of my prized possessions. But it's funny that I hardly ever use it because it's like, first of all, I mean it, it's loud. It is light, and it's for the coverage and the size. Like it's amazing, right? But I just it's hard for me to justify. Like if anything happened to that thing, I I can't re, I can't replace it. <laughs> Please. So then I'll take out a, a simple tarp. <laughs> I love that you mentioned like the hybridized tarp design. Uh, I mentioned my friend Jeremy earlier. Uh, he kind of started this phrase of flexible minimalism, which I've talked yeah. about before on the podcast. Uh, but that's kind of how I feel about it too. So my go-to tarp is a DCF tarp, but it's uh, I customized it with hammock gear. So it's like, it's like the palace tarp because it has the piece taped on the bottom to make it wider than regular. So it's like 10 feet wide or something, but it has doors on one side and then it's a hex on the other. So it's very similar to what you're describing. Oh, yeah. So it's like the best coverage that you can get while also like, you know, the wind normally is going to come from one direction and things like that. So you, that, that's my favorite tarp, but I found it interesting that you also uh, are looking for those little like flexibilities and uh, through minimalism. That's really that's cool. That's right. That's, I like that phrase. Yeah. Flexible minimalism. That would definitely describe how I like to be. Cause I'm not so crazy as like, I'm cutting my toothbrushes in half. Like I still need usability and I've been to enough trips where, yeah, it's lighter and it's smaller, but I, I need something a little bit more, right? Like I could take a Hennessy or, you know, I've also done a lot of like taking a poncho and made that a tarp, right? That Golite had a, has a great poncho tarp. And I've used that on some minimalist trips, but I wouldn't trust that in a big storm, right? If I knew that I was going on a multi-day trip where I was expecting some rain, I probably wouldn't. It's it's just not perfect. So anyway. Okay, here's my big question that I couldn't remember, but I now can. Oh, no. Hammock suspension, what are you using? Go. Oh, this one's easy. (laughs) (laughs) See, you were scared and it wasn't even bad. Well, because... Man, yeah, you talk about suspension. And, you you know, in my book, I think I've got the, the biggest chapter is probably on suspension because there are so many options. But I'll tell you, my number one go-to, if I, I don't even have to think about it, it is bottom line, no questions asked. You're still waiting for me to give you the answer. And it is the Beckett Hitch. 
top tier response. Like I, I can, I will argue anybody to the very bottom of my dying day because there's no hardware to worry about. I've got infinite adjustability and all I need is a lightweight strap. Again, that's coming from someone that's looking for lightweight. And I know some people hate knots, but man, it's the simplest knot. It's even simpler than the Marlin spike hitch. Remember it went through this phase of like, if you weren't doing the Marlin spike hitch in a whoopee sling, you were ostracized. You could not enter a hammock forum thing and be accepted because you had to know the Marlin spike hitch. But the Marlin spike hitch is tricky and it requires some finesse. You, you tie it wrong, you, you're screwed. But the Beckett hitch is even simpler. But anyway, yeah, I love the Beckett hitch. My favorite strap would be like a mule tape. Okay. Which is, you know, you can kind of a, almost like a Dyneema sort of Spectra type of cordage. Um, mule tape's a little bit wider, but it's still one of the lightest. The best place that I found to find it is actually anti-gravity gear has probably the best lightweight suspension system. And it's a Beckett hitch. You can't go wrong. I, in fact, I, I have been known to cut apart daisy chain webbing because the, the webbing was great, but I could care less about the daisy chain <laughs> and I just want a long strap. That's really all I need. So, but I will, ta- I will definitely go head to head. I'll talk to I could talk about almost any suspension system, but I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't care about all the doodly dad t- titanium stuff anymore. It's, well, I'll tell you, I have I have had those. Let's see, which cinch buckles? I have had so many cinch buckles fail on me that I that's probably one of my least favorite is cinch buckles because webbing, especially like the kind that have like um, they're wrapped up in a seven sixty four am steel and and you've got this little cinch buckle. I've had those if they just twist just a little bit, whoo, they will they will unravel. So they're tricky. I don't. I'm not a big fan of uh, of those. There you go. My best and worst. (laughs) Yeah, I would say for the most part, I agree. I do have like a very particular system that I use that does involve a cinch buckle, but a very specific one that doesn't do that, Um, which I won't name it by name. But my system is an all-in-one system. So both the tarp and hammock, based on some calculations of some right triangles and some other things, can live on the line together, ah, but not like it. But not sag, right? Because obviously, when you weight the hammock, your two points come closer together, and it causes the tarp to sag when you try to do that. Uh, but there are ways that don't include shock cord; they don't include any of that. That you can make it all work. So that's what I normally lose, lose, <laughs> use. Hey, on that note, on that note, so I'm I'm so glad to see a fellow nerd with me. So sorry, we got to segue just a second because I. I made a video years ago to address exactly what you're talking about because the Hennessy, yes, like the Hennessy is designed to do that, right? You, you hang the tarp, but it, it suffers from that problem of, and it, it's always about if you hang the hammock too tight to your point, when it's, when, once it sags, the ends come in a little bit and then the tarp sags. And I presented the solution in this video. And I think I even have it in my book, actually. You can find it on page like 394. I don't know. You'll have to look it up. But yeah, I'd love to hear you more about that because (laughs) um, people argue with me about that all the time. And I have given up arguing because like, look, it's, it's simple math. If you get the angles correct, then your tarp not only will not sag, but the hammock, you know, everything will be perfect. You actually can connect your tarp to your hammock suspension. And I love, I'd love to hear more about what you're doing because 
I can have one other person in this world who believes me. Cause like nobody believes me that it can work. I'm like, yes, it can work, but it is, it's finicky, right? It's finicky. You have to get it right. But if you do, you can definitely minimize. So let's, let's hear it. Uh, so I can't reveal all my secrets on air, but I will talk to you afterwards <laughs> and uh, explain it more to you. Uh, but I would say Great. that another, uh, another part of it is making sure that you have enough distance between the gathered in and your fulcrum point where the buckle is to make sure that you have still have space for your tarp. So there's like, there's some stuff, but I will explain it to you and you'll be able to do it. And it's awesome. You can also make it adjustable if you wanted to, uh, you could wear like, if you wanted your tarp to be tighter than like, or if you wanted to switch in between tarps, instead of having to do whole new calculations for 11 foot versus 12 foot, uh, there are some things. But we'll talk. Is there a ah. company you can point people to to find out more about that? Or is that just like... Uh, I mean, the person... I have a group of friends that we call our, we just call ourselves the Bonefire Bros, I guess. But a lot of these ideas do still come... <laughs> I know I've mentioned Jeremy twice now. Uh, but he is definitely someone along with some of my other friends that we've all kind of trouble done troubleshooting. And they're most of them are way smarter than me. So they'd like do math. And I just say... Hammock's good, um, but <laughs> yes, that one of the 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 suspension system that I'm talking about that I use is based off of Jeremy's deluxe suspension that came with those with his Bonefire uh, Whisper hammocks. However, many iterations since then, and now he I don't think his website is operational anymore. Uh, but I don't want to reveal yeah. too many secrets sure. uh, on air. But yes. I believe in you. It is true. You can definitely do it. And I've only, I've only camped that way for like five years. So it definitely works. Yeah. It's just, it's tricky because the, the truth is for most people, it's, it's easier to, to pitch the tarp separately. And there are advantages, right? Because when you pitch a tarp separately, you also have the advantage of modifying, like, like I, I can hang my tarp higher or lower. And sometimes with hanging them on the same suspension, that's a little more problematic, and, and I think for most people, it is easier. So that being said, I would, I'll, I'll chat with you offline. Thank you. As we close up here, I want to make sure that we give adequate um, attention to your book or books. Uh, we mentioned in the intro, you're an author. You mentioned a couple of times the book that you have. It's called The Ultimate Hang. We just ordered one here for in the office to learn about Derek's ways. But there is another book that I don't remember the title of right now. Can you tell people what that book is and where they can learn more about it? Yeah, thank you so much. So The Ultimate Hang... And the, the, the other book is just called Hammock Basics. Um, I couldn't think of anything better <laughs> than that, honestly. Because I know when I, when I published books, even when I came out with a second edition, I had a lot of people ask me like, well, why, what's different? What should I, why should I get this book and vice versa? So let me try to explain it this way. The Hammock Basics book is purposely built for people that are new to hammocking, just hammocks, period. It really doesn't get into the details of hammock camping. Like you're not going to see anything about insulation, tarps, or bug netting, right? It's all about why, like it does get into some some basics of hammocks. And there are some, obviously some crossovers. You're going to see similar information in the bigger book. But it really is, and I tried to price it and get it set up to be, um, honestly, the giveaway book, right? That to, to your point, you've got a buddy that's new to hammocks, like here, take this book. If you throw it away, no problem. It didn't cost me very much, right? It's, it, but it's a great book. I don't want people to throw it away either because it's there's a lot of fun illustrations. Um, and I think it, it does cover kind of more of the recreational side a little bit more than maybe my 
the ultimate hang does. So that smaller book is a great giveaway item. I think it's, it's meant to be the evangelical side of hammocking, right? Like the other book, the tome, the, the encyclopedia, the ultimate hang that is designed for people that are really getting into camping. They really want to understand how do I stay dry, warm and bug free in an environment that I'm not used to. Right. So the, the, the ins and outs of camping in a hammock. So all of the suspensions that we've talked about, it goes it goes down every single rabbit hole you can think of from suspension to tarps to bug netting. It also talks about all the different types of hammocks that are out there, which again, there may be new things that the book does not cover, but I think at this point, it doesn't really matter too much. Oh, I'm just glad that people are excited about hammocking and, and thank you so much for the opportunity to share both of those books with you. Of course. Plus the hammock hang too. I mean, we're pretty stoked about the fact that it includes DIY plans because that's kind of what we do. So check out Derek's patterns and the stuff that you can make there. But yeah, I think it's the ultimate hang.com. Do you have where you can at least find this book? Is that where you find uh hammock basics as well? Yeah, there's links to both of them. They're, they're both available on Amazon. That's, that's really where it's sold. Um, they both have electronic versions and, you know, e- eBooks for Kindle. Um, and yeah, wherever there's a lot of, I know a lot of cottage guys sell the book as well. So you can find it in a lot of different places that you're picking stuff up. Cool. Well, I don't really want to be the bad guy, but this has been super fun. I do want to save your time and respect your time. And even Avery's over here maybe, crying. That yeah. We talk so much <laughs> about hammocks. He has an hour, to, uh, two hours of editing to do, but yeah, Derek, this has been super fun. Thank you so much. Oh, you guys, thank you so much for reaching out. I know um, it's been a delight for me to join you and share. I know you guys are doing great work. I'm a big fan of Ripstop. So thank you so much for keeping the DIY spirit alive and providing us more ways than ever to create the wonderful and sometimes ugly, but functional gear that I've made throughout the year. So thanks you guys. You guys have a great afternoon. You made, you made Carter's week. So thank yeah, you. I'm very happy. Thanks, Derek. <laughs>